Oddities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic Swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, Zach has shot down continuing on with Animal Collective music videos. Instead, we are looking at something I think uh, is safe to say a Zach's choice. We're going to talk all about it, I'm sure. But the first thing I want to mention, or ask, I should say, last week we did seven Animal Collective music videos. This week we are doing 13 music videos. Zach, why so many when they're <laughs> all exactly the same? <laughs> That's where I want to start. <laughs> well, I guess, he's... I guess I should say I did watch them all, and when I got to the last one, it made some sense that you made me watch all these others. <laughs> but, oh. but please, Zach, if you would like to enlighten us on, on what we're talking about, what you've chosen, go for it. Alrighty, folks. This, as we all know, uh, this uh, a hallmark of this podcast has been Rob and his taste of music. And every single time Rob brings music up into this podcast, there's usually some little some little anthem or chime of what kind of music I listen to. And then we immediately get off that topic for a multitude of reasons. But this week we are finally we're having a cinematis first. We are breaking new ground. We're talking about Zach's music. Except this time you might have noticed that instead of hearing the breaking new ground sound, you heard like a weird sort of like a, a swarm of locusts combined with like bubblegum pop and like the screeching of the baby goat. Because to most people, that's the sort of music I listen to, or at least that's what they think of. So, no, but this week we are talking about the band The 18s. Not ABBA? Not ABBA. Which are ABBA 2? <laughs> ABBA 2, ABBA Harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Electric Abaloo. Abba to the crimes of Abawalt. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Yes. <laughs> Abba to Day of the 18th. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, for those of you who may not know, and by looking at the downloads and the view count numbers, that's most of you. Uh, the 18s were a pop band from 1998 to 2004. Uh, they started out doing basically covers of ABBA songs, the major hits of ABBA. Yeah, yeah. Except for Waterloo. Except for Waterloo, which has always been kind of like a, a mystery when it came to 18s, why they didn't cover Waterloo. Okay. But then they transitioned into basically they did their own music, a couple covers here and there thrown into each album. Uh I don't know how many albums they've had in total because they were they were really an international band. So like certain albums got kind of like, oh, we're doing a a, a compilation here. We're doing a best of there. Mm-hmm. And but in the US, we only got three albums. We got ABBA Generation, Teen Spirit, and Pop to You Drop. After oh, okay. that, that was that was kind of it. So now I think Pop to You Drop dropped in june of 2002 if i'm correct so basically it was they were if you were in the u.s they were a three album band one and done and i know last week when we discussed animal collective we went through these music videos one by one uh much like how rob said most of this is the same and i said there's not a lot of uh 
unfortunately, there's no monkey riches yeah. or a peace <laughs> bone in any of this. There's nothing here that's going to blow our minds on a visual level. I'm glad uh, we agree on that because if you had came to me and said that there was at <laughs> le- if, if you had said there was at least one of these that you were like, oh my god, the plot and the imagination is just it's exuding these great artist artistries, you know, I'd have been like, Zach, which one, please? <laughs> so I know, I know you don't want to go through one by one, and I'm glad you don't. There's not much to be gained from going through them one by one. I would, I would love to have that conversation, which I think we're about to do, about the different types of music we listen to, all that stuff. But, but can I please do my rapid fire summary <laughs> of each one? My, if you uh... remember, much like I did. For the Jurassic Park movies, I gave really quick summary of every single one. That's what I'd like to do here. All right. Um, before Rob does that, though, I have to ask him: out of the lot of these videos, is there one that you dislike the most by chance? Is there one that just makes you oh. grind your teeth? There were. There were. Uh, it was a tie. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm going to um, make a prediction, and I'm going to. I have it written down. People have to take my word for it, though. I will edit it into the episode right here as to which one I think Rob hates the most. The name of the game. Now, all right, Rob, go through your list and tell. We're go. Actually, uh, I did it for the Animal Collective series. I made a YouTube playlist. Um, I don't think we said it in the episode, but I put it in the show notes for Animal Collective. I'll do it for 18s. We'll do it for Tool. We'll do it for whatever I choose next to do after this, which is still (laughs) to be determined. In the order I gave these to you and the order of the YouTube playlist, let's start off with Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia? Dancing. Here we go again. Dancing. That's my summary. That's it. I'm done. Dancing. There we go. All right. Good. Solid. Can't argue with that. And the next one we have is Super Trooper Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing a, a theme here. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna plow ahead. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Dancing. This is where this is where I realize that the dancing is, that I've mentioned in the three is not only dancing, it's dancing in the same like offset formation. Like in the first three music videos I watched, I was like. I was like, did they film this all on the same day? They just changed their clothes? <laughs> uh, You're not wrong. We, we have is the name of the game. Uh, this one, I was like, oh, maybe this is something different because it starts with animation, but the live action quickly takes over and they start dancing. And in this one, it was a little weird because there was a large portion of this music video where only the guys are dancing and the women are singing while staring directly at the camera. It's is a little it, creepy. Is this, is this, are we talking about the name of the game? Yes. Okay. The next one's Dancing Queen. All right. There's a little bit more substance to this one. Uh, Dancing. Dance <laughs> with the Breakfast Club. Yeah. <laughs> Upside Down. Dancing. <laughs> I do have some more to say about that because I think this video was a large inspiration to Inception, but maybe we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then there's, then there's Halfway Around the World. And guess what? There's dancing. <laughs> this one, I almost thought they weren't going to do it because there was minimal dancing at the beginning. Oh. But then, then they bring it back up to the 18 levels I've, I've come to know and love. Uh, the next, next one was Sugar Rush, where they're on a beach. They're relaxing. They're throwing balls, building sandcastles. But soon enough, they find themselves dancing. 
Uh, not as much. Okay, for the record, there's not as much dancing in that one as the others. So there, yes, there is. That might one ha, that one might have the least amount of dancing. But in that video, they find themselves performing at a house party. Yes. So everybody else is dancing. Oh, okay. dancing! It's just not really much as much them in this one. So I'm with you gotcha. there. Okay, then, then we get to heartbreak lullaby. Uh, this is one of the ones that is tied for my least favorite. Because, Zach, is this a music video or is it a fucking commercial for the Princess Diaries? It's both! I, why did you choose this? Why did you ever think this would be a reasonable <laughs> thing to discuss? In, not even on a podcast, just in general. Like, you shouldn't talk about this to anybody. <laughs> okay. And then, oh, and then we get to help falling in love, which is the Uh-oh. next one I'm tied for my least oh. favorite. Because this is the pitch for this video, I imagine. Hey, you want to do another music video, 18s? Sure, we can dance. Well, we have to do something other than dance this time. (laughs) Puppies, done. This is, this, I would say, but this and Golden Gal by Animal Collective are the two worst music videos in history. I don't know what's worse. I don't know what's worse, repeating animation or just throwing puppies into your music video. They are both equally stupid. Oh my god. The floor filler, which, huh, dancing. <laughs> that's that's the dancing to end all dancing. Yeah, there's break dancing in that one. Which is a change of pace from the other videos, I should say. There's no break dancing in the other ones. It's not a good change of pace, but it is a change of pace. I just, you know, you have to notice that. Then we get to a perfect match. The guys do a lot of singing. They attempt some story of love, but you can't figure out what's going on because they cut back to dancing every three seconds. And then, lastly, probably the piece de resistance because I got like I like so many emotions of being angry at the dancing I was seeing, and then they go all out and they literally make a music video of all their other music videos and dancing combined. And there's and it's just it's like dancing to the dancing to the dancing power. <laughs> so that's that's what I witnessed. I guess that's what you gleaned from all this. I got dancing from all these videos. I should say I I do not have anything really against this music. I don't think this music is terrible to listen to. I would have liked to listen to the original ABBA versions when we did get our covers, but I don't have a lot against this music. It's just not the music you would regularly find me listening to. I have a problem with absolute oh, lack of substance in music videos. I think these music videos are why last week during the Animal Collectives, I was saying I don't really watch music videos. I don't get into them because sometimes they can be so insubstantial. It is just, it's vacuous. It's like uh, back when you, remember you pitched for Claws, you were like, the meal is just eating a food wrapper. It doesn't give you any nutritional value. That's what this is to me. It's just them dancing in the same situation. Okay, that was my summary, Zach. What'd you think? <laughs> All right, I want it on the record that I got the, the guess wrong. I figured you would have hated the name of the game the most, is the music video, because there is literally the least amount of stuff goes on in this. I should, I should have known about the commercials. I should have known. But I figured that Rob would be able to put put that his hatred of commercials aside for a brief moment because clearly this is a, a promotional tie-in. It's terrible. Terrible, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, the name of the game was, was down there, um, but 
the thing that stood out to me in the name of the game was more of that staring that I mentioned. Like, okay. the women standing still while singing and staring directly at the camera while people are dancing behind them. I was like, this is creepy. Well, okay. So, um, first and foremost, I think it should be said that now Rob knows what it feels like when he puts me into... Considering we've talked about Animal Collective three times on this podcast already, and we're not <laughs> even a year old yet, and he... I want Rob to know, this is what it feels like when he puts me in those situations. Just sitting there being like, I guess someone appreciates it. It's not me, but I'm glad that somebody likes this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, Rob knows what it feels like. But no, the reason why I picked this was, um, I, I think Rob knows, like, I really enjoy music. Um, I've always told people I have maybe the worst taste in music possible. And why I say that most people, I think I might have said this last week, is that most people expect me to be like, oh, like, what do you like? Like, guar and just like screaming music or just like screaming <laughs> over just a guitar riff. I haven't now, heard anybody like, talk about guar in forever. <laughs> well, that's well, I, that's what I think. I, I'm going back to high school here. So you're, you're dealing sure, with like a, sure. two, a, like a mid-2000s mindset. The music I listen to, and Rob's going to be shocked. I don't know if he'd be shocked. Rob knows me. But to anybody listening to this that doesn't know me, the 18s in music of this ilk is my bread and butter. It's like one of the reasons why we have not, oh, I haven't even told Rob what we're doing after his next choice. F-L-7? Is that like seven? No, I, no, I think about S Club 7 is that I'm not thrilled with S Club. I like oh, them, okay. <clears throat> but um, I could, we were going to do that at one point too, like back during the uh, the visual album series. I, I was I'm like, oh, we should do like S Club. It's like a ha ha. I realized yeah, they have like this. 12 TV movies. <laughs> well, that too. This is the kind of music I love. Like, if I had to, like, I don't have like favorite bands because I was thinking about it. Is like originally why I like, pitched Rob on a music video series. It was like, oh, Rob, like, Rob's like, oh, music video series. And he has like 800 things just pop into his mind that he could do. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what do I? Because originally, like, my idea was like doing like Taylor Swift and Michael Jackson because it's like, oh, there's a lot to talk about there. Mm-hmm. And then as time went on, I was like doing research on the 18s, and I'm like, nobody remembers them anymore. Like, they are the definition of just a like a flash in the pan band. Yep. And you don't, like, and I don't think that's anything for quality. I, well, okay, Rob's the music expert here, so I need his a little bit more of his background on this. I, I, this is kind of goes back to last week because I, I I feel like this is gonna be like real scary stories again where I have a million things I have to say but I'm contained by like 90 minutes to get it all into. <laughs> sure. um, plus nobody wants to listen to a three hour long episode about the 18s. But I have to ask Rob, like, how would you classify? Like, what is the genre of this? Um, I, I think you know we've said it before that I would consider this uh, pop music. But of course, I think we mentioned it last week. Pop music evolves with the times and that type of thing. But really, when when I I know I known about the 18s, you know, even before Zach, you know, told me like even when he said I like I remember I think he said to me we're going to talk about the 18s music videos, and then like a week later I was like we're doing ABBA right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm well yep. aware of the 18s, and they were around that time, like Zach said, early 2000s, where that was kind of like the most of the music. I was hearing, you know, when you're young, early 2000s, I was like eight to 10, 11 years old when the 18s music was out. You know, I wasn't listening to like guar, heavy death metal. (laughs) I was was really hearing the stuff that was popular on the radio, on, on, you know, um, like uh, the commercials for kids bop and shit like that, you know. So this, this falls right into me with that pop music. As time goes on, I think, and I've learned more about the music industry, there's something... There's something that really feels 
like a twinge of R and B to this. The love aspect, ah. like it's not like more of the lyrics than the actual music, because of course it's they're going off ABBA. That's their inspiration for a lot of their stuff. I'm guessing, you know, there's heavy synth. There's there's all that, you know, early 2000s techno-ish sounding, not like techno music, but technology-inspired creation of music. Um, but with the lyrics, I, I always have gotten, or at this these viewings, I should say, I've gotten that kind of R&B, like that little smoothness to it, you know, especially when they get the guys you know, doing their voices in the background and stuff. So I would say it's it's somewhere between there. I know also there is a genre of music that basically spearheaded by Andrew W.K., which is just called party core, like music you would play at a party where you have no idea how many people are there and you don't know everybody there, like a like a Project X house party. They call it party core, and I think this would fall into that. Like if you put on, you know, the 18s Mamma Mia or Dancing Queen, even though they're more popular because of ABBA, uh, even, you know, things like Floor Filler and Sugar Rush, I think people would be like, I have no idea who this is. I don't know when it came out. But I can I can move to this that type of thing. Does that All answer right. your question? Yes, yes, it does. Because like this being my favorite kind of music, and if you were to ever look at like my iPod, iPhone, whatever I've had for music over the last god fifteen years, or even god even twenty now, I'd have to say, um, it's always been this type of music. Like this is mm-hmm. this is like don't get me wrong, I, I like a bunch of different other things. Uh, it's not just exclusively this. It's not like I live on a diet. diet. This is like uh, cotton candy music. That's how my father used to describe it when I listened to this. Sure. Is that it's cotton candy. It's like, it's not the worst thing for you, but if it's all you eat, it's going to make you fat. And it's going to make you like break out in hives. And I, 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 in a way that makes sense, even to this day, I kind of am still trying to figure out the, uh, the, the specifics of that, how that, that analogy works. Yeah. Because like as time has gone on and like Rob said, the early two thousands really are my, my God, that's my era of music. Like is Rob, I'd be shocked to know this, that my favorite song of all time isn't a teens. Surprisingly enough, okay. it's the song Juliet by LMNT. We'll play a clip of it here. That's my favorite song of all time, and that's the again. That's another. This it falls in line with 18's music, and I think we've joked before on Cinematis when it comes to like Eraserhead of like us chasing the dragon, trying to find the next Eraserhead, like that that high yeah. that will never like that highest <laughs> high that just doesn't exist. And I feel that's what I've been doing with music with the 18's. Is that like I think I talked about last week with like Ariana Grande? Is mm-hmm. that like Ariana Grande is considered pop by today's standards? Yes. Yet Ariana Grande pop is. 180 degrees away from this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
this is, I guess this is my next question for Rob. And this is more of a discussion. Again, the 18, we're going to go back to some of the music videos because there's some things I want to highlight here. Maybe sure. this is more, and this is going to be less like what we did with Animal Collective, where it's like, oh, we're going to dissect the music and more just a philosophical discussion about pop music of the early 2000s versus now versus mm. just the music industry. Um, is that music like the 18s, nobody is making music like this anymore. Nobody. There's, there's no, it's not being produced at a, a record label level. It's not being produced at an indie level. It's not being produced at any level. And like, don't get me wrong. Every once in a while, like I, I, oh God, um, Alan Walker, who I don't know if he's a DJ or if he's just a producer. He's someone that stuff sounds very similar to this. And I think more of it ha has more to do with just the, the abundance of synth. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I think maybe that's just the core, the only kind of tie between the two. But I have to ask Rob, like, when did this music sort of die out? Or is this just simply like early 2000s Nickelodeon Disney Channel music? <laughs> um, I, I definitely think it had a period of dying out because, you know, the the concept of technology and music, let's just focus on particularly the synth, like the electronic keyboard. Like that has a place in music and it will always have a place in music. But I think that early 2000s, maybe like 2005, 2006, a little later, so maybe later you know, thousands, zero zeros, whatever we're calling that decade. <laughs> um, uh, I think, you know, during that period, we hit a point of kind of synth saturation and people almost got tired of hearing it. Because I remember, you know, in like 2000, I think it was 2009, 2010, you had some bands that had a lot of popularity, you know, such as uh, Modest Mouse, such as the Flaming Lips, you know, successful bands but not you know worldwide selling out like nothing like the beatles anything like that but you had bands like that kind of saying we don't just want to do this we don't want to jump on the bandwagon and have everything be electronic we still want to have you know five people playing instruments all at the same time because a lot of the the stuff that you have with technology and i do it in my own music is you can record things separately and layer them over and it sounds great you know and I, I think that in that early 2000s period, especially the time of the 18s, we were starting to build up to that kind of, you know, synth nausea. Because not just the synth nausea, but the layers. Because, you know, I'm always hearing it, like, a lot of these songs for the 18s, you know, you can hear, like, eight, nine, ten different layers of voices. And there's actually only four people in the band. So <laughs> they're clearly, you know, recording stuff recording it again, recording it again, recording it again, and then putting them all over, adjusting the timing so it all sounds like it's in harmony. And maybe they'll do a little bit, you know, at one range, a little bit lower, and, and it's good. And people like that, and it sounds good, and that's a really neat uh, artifact of musical production. But I think we hit a point where we were just like, no, we want less of that. And I think a big thing that pushed that was the 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 rise it's not meteoric it's probably a really gradual rise but always continual of different types of rap of where you just have hey this is me the music doesn't matter what i'm doing and one take with my voice is more of what matters and i think when that gained popularity we lost a lot of this overproduced early 2000s pop sound what do you think of that yeah i i think that's a uh, key term there is overproduced Yes, uh, yes. I, I think um, there's a negative connotation to that, but I don't. I don't see it as that, or I don't. 
I don't I don't personally see that as negative um, because I remember back like in the early, in the mid 2000s having a conversation with someone back during like high school and obviously like that's another sad thing too is like my taste in music has not changed at all like that's one thing about me I'm pretty sure the same music I liked when I was nine is the same music I like now uh, I had some phases where I've gone into like different things like where I listened to like uh, oh god um, oh god what was it called uh, CKY and or oh for sure. And like again, um, him though, like uh, yeah, that that kind of stuff during the mid two thousands, and that was cool. Like no, like, like, but the problem is like I go back and listen to that. It's not bad. I kind of cringe. Like oh god, I listened to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that too was overproduced to a certain degree. Not as yeah, much as this. It's, yeah. it's not as slick. But I guess my thing, my my question, not my question is, so this Rob is correct, overproduced. But it's just the whole idea of is that everybody is so nostalgic for everything of the past. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is that this is one, and this is much like real scary stories or freaked, yeah. Or it's it's weird that like this was popular, like they were a international top uh, chart topping band. Yeah, yeah, sure. And yet I went on like Spotify, and they average around like two hundred thousand, uh, whatever is downloads, plays like a month. Mm-hmm. And that's absurd for a band, that, especially in our generation, where everybody yeah. just worships all the stuff that we grew up with. <laughs> Every everything is sacred. And yet, really, no, like, you watch, oh, God, like, BuzzFeed, like, you're, if you were a 90s kid, you remember this. Yeah, oh, yeah. And they are, they're just not present. It's like, it's just, it's one of those mm. weird, I don't want to say weird, weird's not the right word. It's um an unusual, like, sort of observation in that it, I don't get how something that was this popular, because I remember, God, back on, like, early 2000s television, 18s were everywhere on Nickelodeon. Like, I yeah. remember they had the, um... Oh god, what was it called? Like I, I forget. It was something on Nickelodeon where they do it like at night, and they have like bands do stuff. It was one of their things. It was it was at Universal Studios, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. Like it, it was like a special. I had it taped at one point. I don't know where the tape is. It's probably gone by now. But like they do things like that. Like again, like the Aaron Carters. Um, like it was like obviously Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys never did stuff. This this was below them. But it was this kind of like B tier of early two thousands pop, mm-hmm. and yet. I, and there was exposure, like Rob said. Rob was aware of this. Most I would imagine if we took anybody our age and played upside down, they would they would recognize it. Yeah, yeah. Yet at the same time, there's this weird partition that's been placed around it, and I just find that fascinating. And but again, going back to what my point was about during the mid two thousands, with um, like Rob said, with like kind of like rap and all that, and, and the stripped down. I guess stripped down versus overproduced is kind of the. Uh, the, the 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 star contrast here. I, yeah. remember, I remember telling someone that rap killed pop in the mid two thousands, and maybe that's not true. But I think Rob kind of helped helped me in that thought process from mm-hmm. God twelve years ago. <laughs> in that, it, it's true that maybe it didn't kill it, but it definitely evolved. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you do get things in in the mid two thousands like Rihanna. Yep. Um, I'm, tr- I'm talking about pre because Katy Perry and Lady Gaga did change the game for a little bit. They mm-hmm. did bring that sort of pop back. Again, you listen to uh, Lady Gaga's first album, and it's 100 percent 18 desk music. Oh yeah, definitely. Because I looked into, I remember this was a few years ago. I looked into, well, I was trying to find more 18 desk music. I looked into their producers and be like, okay, I got to find out if any of their producers are still active, and if they are, who are they working with? Mm-hmm. And one of them was, um, I don't think they, I think uh, it was Red One. Who only worked on a couple of their songs, I think, during their their second album, Teen Spirit. But he obviously was a major producer on yep. Lady Gaga's first album. 
so it does exist, but I think it's just so weird that in this culture that we have that obsesses over nostalgia, and we are getting into a we as, as time goes on, because by the mid two thousands and with the, when the internet really everybody else everybody has their own little communities now or had their own communities then and there really isn't this collective like nostalgia where like oh everybody loved michael jackson at one point yeah. oh everybody loved uh in sync at one point and it's so spread out it's weird that the few like remnants of the 2000s that do have something like that in common have been left alone because I, I know even like um like, like something like aaron carter for example who's definitely part of the same generation and, and nine tenths yep. of the reason why he's famous is his uh uh, what's it called nepotism is about <laughs> where he came from, but like yeah. no one's going to talk about him because he's kind of like a wa- he's a washed up person. He was a cute little kid, and he couldn't really make much of it beyond his five, fifteen minutes of fame. Indeed, yeah. With something like this, though, again, I guess it's the whole idea that people look back at it and they do look at it as cringeworthy, or as Rob called it, dancing, more yeah. dancing, <laughs> still dancing. Uh, please stop dancing. There's something maybe it's because I have a, a very very personal tether toward it uh, mm-hmm. to it, so I can't see it objectively, which I concede. Um, not going to argue that here. You're good deal. <laughs> I'm not that person. That's why Rob is here. Uh, the kind of, I'm kind of like my head's all kind. Of, I'm kind of like my head's like a giant balloon just floating away on the 18th high, and Rob every <laughs> once in a while has to kind of like do a running jump and like grab me and pull me down. Dancing, <laughs> dancing, so much dancing. Um. But yeah, though, because I think that's just I, – I, I just can't wrap my head around it as to why in this nostalgia-obsessed culture – like again, freaked, real scary stories. No one was there at the ground level to appreciate those things. Mm-hmm. So it takes someone like Rob who caught it on HBO 10 years later to yeah. even, even like, to latch on to it. Or again, I was at the ground level for real scary stories, but still nobody else was. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but with this though, like there was, again, I think upside down was like, it peaked at like number four on the billboard hot 100 mm-hmm. or maybe not four. It was definitely in the top 20. I'm pretty sure at that. Are people in bear? Like you have friends. I would imagine liked some of this stuff when they were younger. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't have any friends, so I can't attest to this. <laughs> But is, are people embarrassed of admitting they like this music, or is this something like you only remember when it's in a BuzzFeed listicle? You know, uh, that's a good point that you bring up because, like I said before, I I'm, I was well aware of the 18s. I've always been aware of them, you know, ever since I heard them when I was younger. Um, but that's a good point. Is why don't we hear more about them? Because they were crazy popular. It was it, they started with ABBA music. How were they not going to be crazy popular? You know. The embarrassment is a good point. That comes to mind because I I know I'm sure there's some people uh, that would be embarrassed by this. I don't know anyone like that, but I have kind of had it on both sides of the coin where, you know, someone will tell me they'll be like, oh, I, I used to listen to like taking back Sunday in middle school. And now I'm embarrassed by how emo it was. And I'll be like. I'll be like, are you always playing music around other people? Like, you can listen to whatever hell music you want when you're alone. Like, who cares if you like it or not? But at the same time, I've played, I think I told Zach the story, uh, I played Miss Lee for somebody once. And they honestly, like, stopped what they were doing and they go, you like this music? And I was like, and I was like, yeah. And they were like, why? Shouldn't you be embarrassed by it? And I'm like, no, not at all. Like, who cares that I'm listening to some Swedish half-Asian woman singing about meeting a guy at, a, at a, like a town festival and going home with him?
song. I don't care what anybody else thinks about it, but everybody else does. And so maybe the embarrassment is a big factor. I would imagine there's a lot of people who, when your friends are like, oh, yeah, I'm listening to the new Kanye and the new Chance, and I'm listening to the Jay-Z album where he raps about buying a painting for $40 million. <laughs> they don't want to say, oh, yeah, and then I listen to 18s when I go home and Mamma Mia, you know, that stuff. Maybe there is that embarrassment. I think that could totally be the case. Because that's what I, I, like I said, I can't figure it out. Because I remember, uh, obviously, Rob remembers Sal. And Sal was maybe the worst. Like, I don't think, I, a definition of a music bully. Sal, okay, for, I, I think we've talked about Sal a couple of times on this podcast. But Sal was the one who if introduced. If I recall correctly, Sal only listened to comedy music, didn't he? <laughs> I don't know what Sal listened to in his Which spare time. Which is real music as far as I'm concerned. Yes, you can love the Flight of the Concords. I love the Flight of the Concords. Bo Burnham, all that stuff. But they are not musicians. They are comedians. Well, okay, give Sal a little bit of context because he plays into this a bit. Uh, for those of you who may not know, which, again, guessing by our audience is <laughs> all of you, uh, Sal was the person who introduced me to Rob in high school. And Sal would later go on to despise Rob later yes. on in high school. <laughs> yes, as most yes. people grow to do. <laughs> uh, and what happens is that Sal and I um, knew each other for part of middle school, all of high school, and spent like fr- I actually lived together for freshman year of college. And Sal always hated my taste in music. All I despised it, loathed it. Except the problem is like what Rob said was Sal did not have a taste in music. Mm-hmm. Um, he like he liked they might be giants. He liked again he liked basically. Oh god, he liked sounds. He didn't like music. He liked sounds. I think it's the best way to put it. I can uh if anybody knows the video game Team Fortress 2, in college one year, Sal down found all the audio files and literally for an entire afternoon just went through and played every single one of the audio sounds. So like when you're playing a video game, I guess most people aren't aware of the fact that there's like all these different just like background noises yeah. that um add to the immersive nature of the game. Like you'll hear people grunting, you'll hear just like metal clanging, just all these different sounds that just kind of all blend in to bring the reality of the game to life. Yeah. And he literally went through like thousands of sounds sound files if he fa- like let's say he found like a grunting sound of a guy going, uh, he would just keep playing it on loop he'd just keep playing he'd set windows <laughs> media player and just have it on loop for half an hour and i remember sitting there like i turn around him and be like hey that's really of not and he didn't use speak or he didn't use headphones either so he just had it on speakers constantly okay and so i'd be like hey that's extremely obnoxious just in case i'm doing anything i have to concentrate and two how can you attack me for liking something like the 18s yet this is okay this, yeah, this is yeah, that's, weird. I, I think that's, you know, one of the issues, like I said, it's, you know, I, why why would anybody else care? You know, it's like, yeah, I get that. It's like if you want to be like, oh, you're listening to this. I don't really like that music. Here's why. Whatever. Have a discussion about it. But when you're just like, you know, hating on somebody else for what they're playing, but then you're playing atonal sounds. <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> I wish I wish that story wasn't real. I really like I, that's another one of those ones where uh, I wish that weren't real. Maybe um, Sal maybe Sal likes Black Dice. I don't know if Zach knows the band Black Dice, but um, based they on this conversation, are, I think we can assume Zach doesn't know what Black. They Dice are is. completely atonal. Like they're all like none of their music sounds good in any traditional sense. Like there's songs where it's just people like laughing and coughing, no instruments, just that. And maybe that's what he's listening to all the time. Oh, my God.
I hope it's something. I, hope. <laughs> I, I I don't know, but like that's just kind of where like it came from. Where it's like not that like I repressed my music taste. Mm-hmm. It just became, it came like a very closeted thing. Where like I would never tell people what I was listening to. I remember when I was in college, like I was like I was one of those kids. Like I think Rob might find this weird. If anybody listening might find it weird too. I always had headphones or earphones on. No matter where I went, I always had something in my ears. To be fair, half of that was so people wouldn't talk to me because like it didn't. Oddly enough, it didn't work most of the time. People still kept talking to me. Um, But I remember like I would always have a default answer. That anytime someone would like ask like what I'm listening to, because like like obviously if somebody starts talking, you take the headphones off so you can hear them. And so someone like you hear sounds, but nobody knows what it is. But like as an icebreaker, people be like, "Oh, what are you listening to?" And I felt I was so in the closet with my music and my taste in music, I would just have like a default like alt rock band that I would tell people like no matter what it was, people be like, "Oh, what are you listening to?" And I'd be like, "Oh God, I'm trying to think of an example." (laughs) <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think what would I be listening to like in the early 2000s that people wouldn't Rob what's like a popular alt rock band from like the early 2010s that people wouldn't think twice about like that people wouldn't think twice about uh, alt rock uh, I want to say all American rejects because you said that last week that came up right they were like they were alt, alt alternative <clears throat> but yeah but they were kind of they were done by what 2007 or so that I don't know there's one album I still listen to them I guess my answer would be um, maybe Creed. That may be nah, a little harder than Paul Alt Rock. Nah, I, well, it had to be something that I knew a little, like Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Okay. There you go. Okay. That's something that I would say. And people like, like people are like, oh, what are you listening to? I'm like, oh, I'm listening to like the latest Lincoln Park. And they're like, oh, okay. And Lincoln Park's one of those bands that no one's going to question you on it. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like a uh, a Nickelback with more respect. <laughs> sure. <laughs> of, of of that time period, because this was like after they sold out to like Transformers, like doing t- yeah. like Transformers soundtrack, like music videos. Or I guess today it would be like Imagine Dragons. It'd be like, oh, it's like it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's not like, like but it's completely have a, a, commercial. Yeah, yeah, but, but no one's gonna make fun of you for it. Like everybody, yeah. like everybody's heard like what's that Imagine Dragons song? I'm a believer. Yeah, believer. Yeah. Like like no one's gonna get mad at that song. It's it's just there. Mm-hmm. Um. But no, but that's what, like what I would do because like I felt like not that I had to hide it, but it was just like it's giving too much. If I if, if somebody stopped me in college and be like, "Oh, what do you listen to?" I'm listening to LMNT's Juliet. People just like stare at you and be like, <laughs> "I don't know what that is." And if they didn't know what it was, it would lead to a conversation about uh, with a horrible. T- I remember once in college, I there was a this actually might be might be what we do in a couple of weeks. There was a band called Hyper Crush, which was very reminiscent of. Very 18th-esque. Okay, I've definitely and, heard the name before, yeah. And I remember, like, in college playing it once over, like, speakers I had. And someone, like, I had, listened to, like, one song. Someone's like, can we add, Can we listen to real music now? And I'm like, god damn it, I'm still fighting the struggle. It's like, I can't, I can't escape this. It's like, and that's really kind of just, like, what's hammered into my mind. That I have a, uh, a bad taste in music. It's just like, I felt like I couldn't, I feel like this is getting more and more about me. And I don't want to do that. But... Um, no, I no, like, I, you have you're bringing up good examples though. Be, but I, I kind of, I feel that I should reaffirm you because while I don't have, or I make you feel better about it because while I don't have, 
I don't prescribe what you prescribe to yourself. Or I don't think my taste in music is bad. I, I honestly would say, you know, I'll give anything a chance and I'll listen to it. I think the problem is more with other people. I have been in so many situations where, uh, like, people will, you know, fight, not fisticuffs or anything, but they'll actually be, it'll get a little heated about, like, who should get to play music. And it really bothers me when people, like, get really aggressive with me that they want to play music for whatever setting we're in. And then I'm like, okay, fine. They turn the music on. And then they just ignore it. Like, they, they just feel better knowing that something they know is on in the background. Like, it drives me crazy. Like, I've been in settings where people are like, I want to play this album. And I'll be like, okay, whatever. And then we'll hear one song, and then we'll go out somewhere. And, we'll like, it'll play with literally nobody in the apartment. And it's like, why are you going to fight with me every time we have the option to put music on if we're not even going to listen to it? And I think that's what a lot of people do. They get so into the control of music that they will put down anything else, anything. Like literally, I could be like, Zach, I think this is the greatest song of all time. Here's an eight page PDF about why it's the greatest song of all time. And you're gonna be like, no, I'm not gonna do that. You have your own taste in music. And I think, I think there's a lot of you know levels of insecurity and controllingness that people have to break through to be a little better than that. So Zach, honestly, I don't think it's you. I think it's everybody else. Exactly. That's my. That's what they're right on my tombstone one day. It wasn't you. It was, it's not me. It's everybody else. But have you ever gotten that sense that people just need to be controlling with their music? Well, I think everybody's condescending. Okay, not to get too far into human psychology, but I think every, everybody's just condescending. It's just... Oh, well, yeah, it's human nature, definitely. Yeah. Con- <laughs> condescension being the key word in this entire discussion. Okay, bring this back to 18. And we all know, too, with... um. Like Rob knows where I think it was a couple of weeks ago where it came up something about a, a phallus and Rob's like, we can't say dildo. Oh yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and I think part of it too, is that Rob knows I don't like to use any swear words. Like the worst thing I use, like, if I'm quoting something, I'll, I'll, I'll say it if, if, mm-hmm. if it requires it. But, um, like the worst thing I ever say is like, damn it. That, that, that's my thing. God damn it. Uh, I have I an think- old voice recording that Zach sent me once where he said, bitch, please. That amused me. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> if, if I'm being hyperbolic, I'll sit there. I'll, I'll throw a couple of those in just for uh, emphasis. Is that part of this too that I like about the 18s is that like it's all like I remember because Sal would play music for me, mm-hmm. and I think he found it. Uh, he found my taste in music amusing when he wasn't being condescending and uh, insulting regarding it. Like he'd play music and being like, "What?" Like, like Rob did. Who was the one that you just mentioned before? The one you you? Oh God, what was her name? The half Asian, half Swedish woman. Miss Lee, yeah, Miss Lee, because Rob's like, oh, I just a couple, I don't know, a couple months ago, Rob's like, oh, check out Miss Lee, and I listened to it, and Rob's like, what'd you think? And I'm like, it's music, and that was he's like, nothing <laughs> else, and I'm like, no. Uh, and I think part of it, like, with, like my taste with the 18s, kind of comes down to is that like, like, on top of the dancing, but this is kind of now divorcing the music videos from the uh, the music. Yeah, is that you look at 18s, and pretty much the entire music is it's very up tempo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of the reasons why I prefer the 18s versions to the ABBA versions is that I remember, I think again, going back to Sal, Sal's like, uh, I think Sal asked me like, why don't you like the ABBA, ABBA versions? And I'm like, I, they're fine. But like, I remember on the, uh, ABBA, the, the ABBA CD at the 18s did ABBA generation. They did, I think it was 12 songs. It's 12 songs. 
remember I went back to like SOS and listened to like the 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 ABBA version, and oh my lord, it might as well be like a suicide anthem. It's the slowest. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, definitely. And we will play a compa- We'll do a Rob. We'll play a comparison. We don't have to tell you which one is which because you'll know. But like you listen to like SOS by Eighteens, and it's like it is a a up tempo pop song. Mm-hmm. You listen to the ABBA version It's like good lord someone keep the revolver out of my hands I'm on the verge of killing myself for how slow this beat is <laughs> We're on this happy days This seems so hard to find I tried to reach for you But you Generation 18s was going for like, it, it was meant to be a, a new version of those songs, yeah, and clearly that yep. yes, and clearly that marketing angle and execution worked. I remember even back because my father, like, I remember I was getting into 18s. My father had uh, ABBA cassettes, and I remember he gave me whatever album because his favorite ABBA, uh, ABBA song was Voulez-vous. Okay. And he'd go like much like how Rob talks to his father, going around just humming something or singing something. My father would just like, periodically just go around humming that. He'd be like, okay. he'd, there, he'd whistle the uh, the little, um, oh God, what would be called the melody. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to that. I think I still have, I think I have his cassette still around though, but like I just never could grasp onto it because it just, and maybe it was because it wasn't my generations in that sense, but it's like, I think, I think the original ABBA Waterloo, like I've gone back and rewatched the Eurovision contest of them doing that. And that yeah. is pure magic. Oh like, yeah, you watch, yeah. You watch Waterloo Eurovision and you can, you can actually feel the electricity how many years later in the YouTube video. Mm-hmm. And that, like I said, like I mentioned, I always thought it was weird that the 18s never did Waterloo. I, I, you figure, like, anytime someone does an ABBA ca- cover, Waterloo yeah. is like the lowest of the low hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. And I never understood why they did certain songs like The Name of the Game over mm-hmm. like Waterloo. Yeah, I, I don't this- know either. Maybe it was, um, I guess, maybe not maybe, but I've always thought about it just in the back of my head, no real evidence that it was something involving, you know, ownership of, or rights and getting permission to use certain songs. Uh, but I don't know. Like I said, yeah, I, I don't know. Cause I would, I know like Benny and Bjorn, basically like if you have the licensing fee, they'll let anybody do what they want with that stuff. Okay. Um, th- that's, that's the gist I get from them. I don't think they're overly like protective in the sense of like, cause their stuff is still there. It's not like their stuff's ever really disappear. Yeah. Uh, we, we've talked about, I think we've talked about it before. It's like kind of like ABBA is one of those bands that is kind of like a, uh, 
a Queen or the Beatles. They don't get talked about much anymore. Oh, yeah, but they, but they re- are huge. Yep. Yeah, they really are one of those seismic events in music that just doesn't get discussed anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird because they're all still alive. Maybe maybe that's part of the mystique too that they're all still alive. So there is that kind of thing. Like, well, whatever. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess once somebody dies, it kind of makes it a little bit more mystical that we'll never be able to get it back. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, but that's one thing I've always found interesting though, because like I go back and listen to some of the Alba songs, and I know just recently, I think it was for like Mamma Mia Two, Here We Go Again, that Cher did like a whole album of covers of the Alba songs. Oh. And I, what I thought was really interesting was that I listened to I, I've listened to it a couple times, and the Share album that was just released in the last few months has more in common with the 18s covers than it does with the original ABBA version. Okay. And I find again I don't again I'm not the music expert here, and obviously Rob hasn't listened to the Share covers, so I can't really uh, probe him in detail. But I find it interesting that it has more of that. Up the up tempo. It has more of that beat because again, it's like oh, Cher's just Cher at like three hundred and five years old is clinging on to uh, <laughs> youthfulness, and nothing says youthfulness like covering ABBA. Um, if I think it's interesting that she decided to go more in a like a again early two thousands pop direction than. A 70s, like, like, like what a baby boomer would appreciate. Like if you sure. tell a baby boomer, oh, Cher covered ABBA, they would expect something more in, in line with what ABBA was doing in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Not what 18s were doing with their up-tempo pop. Observation doesn't have to be dissected any more than we have than we want to, but it's just another layer on top of the 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 cake of. I, I guess not because I, I remember when the, I I think it got a little bit of attention when Cher did the covers, but not really anything major. Yeah, I didn't even hear about it. I I had to wait till you told me that there was even going to be a Mamma Mia two. <laughs> Here we go again. Um, but yeah, I I would think at currently you know where we are right now, this is. It's, I would imagine that's more for the 
the marketing side of it. You know, I, I haven't even seen the first Mamma Mia movie. I don't. I have no, no idea what the second one would even be about. It seems like, you know, it is an, a more upbeat movie. Like, you're not going to go see it and be like, oh, man, I'm depressed. You know, that type of thing. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Oh, I, can, oh, okay. I, I don't know. Because apparently... <laughs> well, that would be my, my guess yeah. for, as why we're getting the more popish versions. Um, because to, to my knowledge, when, you know, there's a people making a movie and they reach out to an artist and, you know, they say, hey, do you want to make music for this? They'll give them some direction. They'll let them loose. The artist will come back with the product. And there are definitely times when the artist comes back and the movie studio, whoever makes the decision, says, this is not what we wanted. We're not going to use it. That happened with the Flaming Lips on Ender's Game with Harrison Ford. They were like, we want you to make music for this movie. And they gave him back like six songs. And they said, this is nothing like what we wanted. We will not use this. So it happens. Maybe with Cher, they were more like, hey, this is really what we're looking for. This is what we want you to do. Deliver on that. Whereas, you know, with the Flaming Lip story, it was more like, I think someone on the movie studio team knew that they were a band and reached out to them. And they were like, space? Aliens? Harrison Ford? Let's contact the Flaming Lips without really knowing what their music was about and stuff like that. Like, at and has been my favorite band I honestly don't think I'll. I I I know that's kind of horrible to say. Only uh, twenty six years old. That like I don't think I'll ever have a band that um, eclipses them okay. as my favorite. And I, I don't think I've ever told Rob the story. I might have. Um, but I think part of the reason why Eighteens are my favorite band, and part of the nostalgia with them, is that like they're the only band I've ever seen in person. Oh, really? Okay, so I haven't told Rob the story. No, yet. I did not. I did not know that. My history is I've been to more concerts than I can literally remember. <laughs> that, that, yes. So, so I know. I didn't know that, Zach, that you've only been to one. I've only ever been to one musical. I, I don't even know. Okay. Context to 18s. Was, um, this is back when I lived in Florida. And I know the exact date because the story behind it was uh, back. I was, This is back during like Nickelodeon Slime Time Live. Okay. One day they were like, oh, God, this was, this was October of 2000. And they're like, next week, I guess they, they announced whoever their guests were for the next like month. I forget how far in advance they announced it. It couldn't have been any more than a couple of weeks. And they're like, oh, coming to Slime Time Live, the 18s. And I was like, my little eight-year-old mind was just blown. I'm <laughs> like, mom, 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 the 18s are coming to a Universal. Because at that point, I'd never been to Universal. Like, I, I've, okay. been to Disney, I've been to Disney maybe, I think, one, like a few times. But um, I was only eight, so I, again, I knew Universal was somewhere in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. But that was it. And I'm like, uh, 18s, 18s. And I don't know what I did to convince my mother, because it was on a Friday. Okay. And so whatever happened was like she actually they my mother, which she never did anything like this, she actually took me out of school and we went to, to Universal Studios and we got there whatever time like they actually we got we got like a hotel room for like two days and we went there, we get to the park, it was on a Friday, 
And like she goes to like the I don't know like, like the I guess information desk or whatever mm-hmm. it is because we didn't know like how do you get on Slime Time Live like there was people there like what's the protocol for this yeah it really was this thing like what do we do to get on and again this is if my mo- if there was a Hall of Fame for all the times my mother really not that it's not like, again it's more than a Hall of Fame but uh, my my mother really like uh, wins Mother of the Year award I'm not saying she doesn't win every year just covering my bases in, in a podcast that she'll never listen to <laughs> but um, she wants the information desk and she's like how do we get tickets to be on slime time live and like the rules were insanely convoluted mm-hmm. and she and the person's like well they give out t- it's like okay what show like what timing do you want to be on and my mother's like 18th time it's like yeah. i don't know what time i want to be on like i want to be there for when the 18s are there and so the woman's like well they give out tickets at two o'clock to be on slime time live and so my mother's like, okay, two o'clock. Like, where do they get them out? She's like, right here in like in this courtyard. And she's like, well, where? She's like, well, it depends on when they come out. Like, the producers of the show they just have tickets. And she's like, well, okay, how do I? Like, my mother knew how to ask these questions. She's like, mm-hmm. well, is it be here at two o'clock? Do we get to be put on a list? Like, how does it work? Well, I can tell you from previous experience, people start waiting online at twelve o'clock. Okay. And so, but, and this is when my father had not got, again, for those of you who don't know, my father was a elderly man. So he was in a scooter. So basically, and that was one of the jokes too. He's like, anytime he went to theme parks with my father in a scooter, all he did was run people over. Okay. <laughs> he got into so much trouble for just running people's toes over. Um, or, or he pushed people out of the way. Like, this is before you, this is, this is when you could still kind of do that and get away with it, but he just pushed people out of the way. Sure. Um, and so, like, we got there at like 11 o'clock in the morning. And basically, my mother waited online for like, two hours to get tickets okay nice. and then i think the thing was even if you do get tickets you're put like in a queue mm. but like i think there was like no guarantee because like because they have but and what happens i didn't even know the, i guess who would know this unless you actually ever went on slime time live it was the audience rotated because i think if, if i remember correctly slime time live was like from like oh god like three to five okay if, if or maybe three to six or maybe four to six i forget but they would rotate the audience. Sure. I'm not sure if Rob ever watched Slime Time Live. I think I did, but I have no recollection of it except the slime. <laughs> exactly. Why, why would you? It wasn't one of those things that anyone was really supposed to remember. I remember and, Stick Stickly. That might have been earlier than that, though. Yeah, remember that stick was Stickly. Yeah, with the googly eyes, the popsicle stick with the googly eyes. Yeah, I have a Stick Stickly bath ta- beach towel that I brought to <laughs> Hawaii with me. It was it was vintage, man. <laughs> I think I have a stick stickly like a comic book or like a joke book. It was like nice. like all these like it's like it's like fifteen pages long and it's like all these like popsicle stick humor. <laughs> That's a thing. Apparently, some poor writer had to think of popsicle joke or popsicle stick pun jokes. That's golden. Oh yeah. Um. Somebody thought it was enough for me to buy it. Yeah. But anyway, that's like we get there, and I remember one of the rules, like once they gave us the ticket, was was you can't be on the show unless you're wearing like Slime Time Live merchandise. So we had to go to like one of the gift shops, buy slime. We had to buy like a Slime Time Live hat, a T-shirt, um. And then they got because I think they gave you a time. It was like you were allowed, like you were on from like three twenty to like three thirty. Like that was it. You got like ten minutes on. That was it. Mm-hmm. Or not on, but like and it was like because it's part of it too. Was like the segments because like certain segments, yeah, like they would pick people from the crowd to participate in challenges. Other segments you just kind of like like much like the the name of the game video. You just stared at the camera. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, but no, but like if you want to be on for the 18th, I guess we'd like find out like which one you want to do. I remember again, I don't remember as clearly as I probably should because they did. I think we did like two or three uh, songs. Okay, like it's a two-hour program. It, it ran in between commercials, so like you didn't have a lot of airtime. Mm-hmm. And I and this was before this was before their Teen Spirit album. So all that was was the Ab- Abba Generation. Nice. And I think it came down to they're only they're only going to do like two songs. I think they had three appearances. Again, I could be wrong. If, but by any chance that anyone's listening to this and actually witnessed this, please tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, because one of them was like they they did like a challenge. They like I don't know like they shoving a pie in people's faces, mm-hmm. and the other two were musical performances. And I remember, however, the line worked. Um, I really wanted to see them do Dancing Queen. Yeah, yet I had to settle for Mamma Mia. I'm doing a quotations marks for settling. <laughs> But one of my greatest memories was uh, well, because my father was in a, a scooter, so like they had him like kind of like in this weird sort of like they had his like in like a metal gate queue. Yep, yeah, no, like I a makeshift queue. About. Yeah, Rob knows from like a uh, band going to concerts, mm-hmm. um, and so basically like they would usher people in and out because they, they had to do this like during like when the programs were on. So they get all they had to get like sixty people out and sixty people in the span of like ten yeah. minutes. Uh, and plus, like, and get everybody like positioned in the right way. But because my father was in a scooter, he was like off to the side. So like he was like right next to like where the entrance was, where people were like coming in and out constantly. Mm-hmm. And what? And so like I was allowed to like my mother had to stay online, but like I would go back and forth between like him and her. And I know this is a very convoluted story, and I apologize. Like, I know this is get really a low amount of downloads, and I'm I'm conceding <laughs> that right now. Um, but this is cathartic, so I'm gonna do it because I don't think I've ever told this story before. Was um, my father was sitting there in his little scooter and he was right next to the door. And I was standing with him for a few minutes, and the 18s were coming in and out. And, and I'm like, I am like, again, I, I didn't I was eight years old. I, I had no understanding of this. This was like, yeah. oh my God, this, that's them. Like, I'm telling my father, I'm like, that's, I guess we should say, I guess after uh, an hour of recording, we should say the, ne- the, the names of the members of the band. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess after an hour I guess if you're listening to this You know the names of the members of the band Or you just don't care But as we were sitting there I'm like oh my god that's Donnie Oh my god that's Marie Oh my god that's Amit Oh man that's Sarah And while we were there like We, we brought a camera Because at this point Again that's another thing Two people have to wrap their heads around is that This is when you actually had to like, Carry around yeah. like, a legit camera And you were limited to like A roll of films so That's what <laughs> 30 like pictures if, if you're lucky yeah yeah and so like we're sitting there and i think i don't know if it had, had to be my mother based on the angle of the pictures unfortunately i did not get a picture of the whole like all four of them together but mm. i actually have two pictures of donnie and sarah and a and marie and to this day it's one of my most treasured items that i own or have because right yeah, it's it's what I got to see them, um, the host, uh, and so we eventually got ushered in. My father was like furious. He's like, "God damn it, we should have asked them if they take a picture with you." And I was just like over the moon that we actually got pictures of them. The fact mm-hmm. that like we, because again, this was back in the days where you didn't have that instant grab. It's not like oh, people beat a celebrity and you tap them on the shoulder and like, "Hey, will you take a selfie with me?" Yeah, exactly. Um, th- this wasn't that culture didn't exist then. So the idea of just having pictures of celebrities that are yours, not, and this is before the internet. It's like, there were, there were no pictures. I don't think I have, like, that's one thing too. Is I don't think I have any 18th memorabilia. I know one of the music videos we watched, Super Trooper, the little girl has like mugs. Um, oh yeah. Posters. Shirts, clothes, everything. Yeah. Everything. I've always been curious where she got all those from. Cause I didn't think it existed. 
I've always wanted mer- 18's merchandise. It just doesn't exist outside of uh, CD pressings. But I remember my father being furious, being like, God damn it, we should have asked if they take a picture with you. And I'm like, I'm just happy that we have pictures. He's like, yeah. no, no, you don't understand. If they saw me in a wheelchair, they would have thought of it. I was a cripple and they would have felt sorry for you. <laughs> Which might be one of my favorite things my father's ever said to, said to me was, if they saw me in the wheelchair, they would have thought I was a cripple. They would have felt sorry for you. <laughs> but anyway, though, no. So, like, I got on Slime Time Live. I actually was right next to the host of this. Anybody remember Slime Time Live? The host was Dave Azir or Dave Azer. And um, I got to see – it was really cool. Like, I was I was there. I was, like, on, like, the little, like – if you watch Slime Time videos, there's a couple of them on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. I was on their little, like – because it was raining that day, so we, we had to go indoors. Because that was a big concern, too, at the time, was that they didn't know if it was going to be outdoors or indoors. Uh, and that apparently, too, changed the rules of the game. Because obviously in Florida, if um, anybody's yep. ever been to Florida, they know around 3.30 every single day, like clockwork, it pours for 30 minutes. Um, but if it pours, you can't have it outside. But um, no, I remember I got to see the host. One of the cohorts there was this guy named Jonah. I saw him. I saw him like reading lines, which is really funny now in <laughs> retrospect. I remember even asking Dave. I'm like, Dave, can I have a picture of you? He's like, after the show. And then the, and the which was a lie because after like I, I got to see the 18s do Mamma Mia, mm-hmm. and then afterwards uh, you get escorted out, and that was it. So like yeah. you couldn't get pictures with anybody. Like once you, they you you got let out of the uh, studio, that was it. You were done. Like, like yeah. if I didn't get those two pictures, then there would have been no pictures. And that's kind of like when it comes. I know, like Rob already said, he's been to more concerts than he can uh, uh, physically remember. But it's kind of like me. Though, it's like I honestly have no. Like, even though the concert scene, especially what it is nowadays, is definitely not my uh, arena. But like, I honestly cannot think of another band, musical act, performer that I would ever want to see live. Like, in all honesty. I saw my favorite band live, and you know what? There's nowhere left to go but down. <laughs> okay, Unless, okay. I'll, I'll add a caveat to that. If they ever figure out a way to bring John Lennon and George Harrison back to life, well, <laughs> that that might be a caveat. That might be one. Like, you know what? For many reasons, that would be worth kind of traveling outside the uh, the the encampment. But people would people would die at that concert. <laughs> <laughs> People would straight up. Many people would die. Die. Um, no, no. I, I hear what you're saying, and um, it all makes sense. That's cool. Yeah, I, I have not had not heard that story before. Um, but yeah, right on. Eighteens. Wow, I've never got to see him. Uh, but and just to <laughs> to, um, to mention uh, the not remembering concerts. It was maybe a year, year and a half ago. One of my buddies that I used to live near. He's like, I made a playlist on Spotify. You should check out. It's one song from each of the bands we've seen live together. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And, you know, there's like 50 songs on this. And there were a few in there. I was like, what the fuck is Moon Hooch? When did we (laughs) see Moon Hooch? And he's like, you don't remember the end of that third day of the festival? And I'm like, I don't remember Moon Hooch? (laughs) How do you not remember Moon Hooch? I I still don't. I've I've listened to them and I like them. But apparently I saw them. (laughs) (laughs) That was a thing that happened. Apparently, I saw Toon Yards, and I don't remember that at all, which I'm bummed about. <laughs> I love Toon Yards. Oh, man. How, how could you not remember Toon Yards? All, all these all these just letters put together into a, <laughs> a way to say a word. <laughs> oh, moon hooch, my new favorite word, maybe, in the entire English language. Moon hooch, yep. So, is that, so one, is that one sex, word, too? I think it's two words, like moon, like the our, our moon, and then hooch, H-O-O-C-H, like Turner and hooch. Oh, okay, good, good. With no moon- hyphen? Hooch. No hyphen, just moon hooch. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. 
that's what, so next time Moon Hooch comes around, Zach will go see him. And then Zach and I'll uh, check out Animal Collective on their next tour. <laughs> oh, my God. We'll do a live episode from Animal Collective's concert. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's kind of the that's kind of my background with 18. It's like, it really, I, I, it's really been kind of those three albums. Like, I remember when, Ab, like, Abba mm-hmm. Generation I originally got is, like, a cassette. I think I wore the cassette out, and I got the CD for Christmas. Sure. Then when Teen Spirit came out, I remember seeing, like, I remember this was back in the days, again, like, how we talked about, um, like, Trying to watch music videos, it was hard to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember when, because how I encountered music videos, I didn't watch MTV or anything like that. So it would be uh, the only time really Nickelodeon aired music videos was oh. on Sunday nights. They have like the top ten, and I remember like I would watch it again. Like I didn't like I, I didn't have a lot of CDs. I had maybe like two or three CDs. That was a lot. Like, I remember like really my only CDs growing up were like the now that's what I call music. Yep. I, think I had like two or three of those, and that was kind of like it. And because CDs plus were expensive back then, like in the early 2000s, you were spending like 20 bucks for a CD. Oh, yeah. So you really had to be like selective into like kind of like what you want, especially if you were kids. Like, like I remember I think I got like a Britney Spears CD. I'm like, I like one song on this. And that was, <laughs> and that was kind of like my one CD for like six months. I'm like, okay. But no, I remember like, see, I remember the first time I actually saw Upside Down, which is my favorite 18 song. And I remember just, I remember being blown away because I was, and I remember it was like, oh my God, I want to listen to it again. For eight year old me, and probably yeah. a lot of people at that time, you couldn't listen to it again. Like, you literally, like, you couldn't turn. I remember at that point, I became a little bit more strategic after that. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, every Sunday, I would like turn the VCR on and just have my finger like above the record button, just like kind of <laughs> like waiting. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, that was like one, it's, it's funny. Everybody takes music for granted so much these days. But back in, in, again, the old, the good old days, if you want, like, if there was a song that you heard and you liked and you didn't, like, capture it the right way, and at that point, the CDs weren't even out. So, like, you had no choice. If you liked something, it was, oh, man, that's great, but I have no way of ac- accessing it. Yeah. And there's a very real possibility that for a few more weeks, maybe even months, I won't be able to access it until then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was rough. Yeah, it really. It's one of those things that, again, like when it comes to music that we really just, nobody remembers. I guess, why would you want to remember something like yeah. that? <laughs> but I think in a weird way, it made me appreciate this music, like the 18s more. Because I think, again, not to go even more psychologically with my affinity for this music, is that I do think there is a, a part of my brain that looks at it that way, where it's like, oh, I really had an emotional attachment to this because I had to genuinely care about it enough to kind of like Sunday nights revolve my entire, not schedule, yeah. what schedule does an eight-year-old have? But it was <laughs> the idea of, oh, I have to I have to be in front of the TV eight o'clock. And mm-hmm. what they do a lot of times too, I remember with like the top 10, it would show up at different times. So like, because oh. it used to be Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon used to do the top 10 every Sunday. And it was, okay, he could do it at 8 o'clock. Or, because I think it was, like, the top 10. So, like, he'd start doing, like, number 10 at 7, number 9 at the first commercial break at, at mm-hmm. 7 o'clock. And it would keep going until I think the last one was, um... Okay. was, like, 9 o'clock. And he'd do, like, a recap. And, number, and the problem, too, was that, like, you have to spend two hours of your night uh, devoted to this. And then, like, okay, you do 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. And then it was, like, uh-oh... No, 18. Like, are they going to be number one? Did I just literally waste two hours just in front of a TV? And that's what would happen a lot of times. Like, you you would catch it, and it was, like, number 10. It was out of the rotation. Mm -hmm. And that was just, like, like heartbreaking. It's like, well, guess I'm never going to see that again. 
but yeah, and then I remember when Teen Spirit came out, and I think in like February 2001, which means guess what, Rob? It's the 18th anniversary of the Teen Spirit album. <laughs> oh yeah, look at that. So many anniversaries, so little time. This album now can legally play lotto and smoke cigarettes. <laughs> good for, good for that album. <laughs> good for that album. Yeah. I know, so I know. I'm going, I'm taking that album out for a night on the town tonight. <laughs> No, no, it's not. No, wait, 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 wait. Let's see. Uh, when did it debut? Because it's weird. Everything's different, different uh, nas- uh, territories. Um, I know the places that I can bring it where it'll be close <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, it says it was released February 26, 2001. So when this episode comes out on the 11th, you still have to wait a couple weeks, Rob. Okay, okay, okay. I guess we'll, we'll have to plan our attack. How many bars we're going to go to and stuff like that. So cigarette, <laughs> cigarette bars. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. But yeah, I remember, yeah, that was just kind of like, that was mind-blowing. Then when Pop To You Drop came out, which was the uh, third album in the U.S., the last one, that was kind of lackluster. That was always kind of my least favorite of the albums, even though there was a couple of songs. I really loved Floor Filler, or as mm-hmm. Rob calls it, dancing, uh, exponential dancing. Dancing to the power of dancing. <laughs> Dance squared. Well, I was, it, like I said before, that I don't mind the music. Floor filler was one of the best songs out of the all the ones I watched. You know, I'm not really counting the ABBA covers because that's ABBA covers. You know, of the, you know, of the stuff that I I didn't really know or had heard by them before. Floor filler was good. Floor filler. It actually, I actually wrote this video sets itself up for excellence because it starts in a dance club. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm getting the dancing faster than I ever have. <laughs> Top till you drop uh, like Teen Spirit. I, I guess another thing I gotta say about the 18th too is that they're probably the only band that I can listen to everything. I, I can listen to everything they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be wrong. There's some there's some stuff they've done. Like there's a couple like the international albums. I just don't like. They do like one night in Bangkok, and I'm like, eh, and kind of okay. do without this. But uh, but that's again that was that, that was never released in the U.S., so it wasn't designed for my I guess my taste in music being a uh, ugly American. Sure. <laughs> uh, but no, like I said, it, that's just what it is. The 18s were just, again, I, I, you can listen to all their music outside of a couple ones here and there. And the only thing I have to say that I'm a little uh, still excited about is that to this day, I still come across a new music that they ha- that they re- that they either it was unreleased mm, or yeah. it's just, I don't think if it's like leaked out, because I don't know who would leak something like this out. The only way I can imagine something like this leaking out is if it's like a, a Sony hack. From a few years ago, sure. where just somebody just accesses whoever record label they were on and just finds all this stuff and just dumps it on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know, like, I have, I, God, this was like in middle school. I bought like one of their music video DVDs okay. so I could see, so I could watch the dancing in the privacy of my own home. Sure. And they have like bonus tracks on it, like, they have like music. But it doesn't have any names. It's just like track one, track two, track three. Mm, and I've you. tried it. I've tried a couple of times to like Shazam it, and nothing yep. comes up. Okay. So I can't. I can't figure out why they would release music on a DVD and like keep it as like a DVD exclusive. Uh, the only thing I can think of is I. I've always wondered that myself when I was really young and I was getting into music big time, uh, maybe early teens. I found a, a common thing on some albums where it was you'd listen to the album and then there would be an ungodly amount of silence. Like I'm talking minutes of silence. And then another song would start and they'd be like, that's the bonus track. And I was like, who 
ever thought this was a good idea. And, you know, there, there are some, I think it's the She Wants Revenge, their first album. It's an hour of silence until the bonus track. A fucking hour. <laughs> who, who, and so I was like, why? Why is this happening? You know, what is going on? And for my research, the concept of a bonus track, not just as like that format where there's silence and then a hidden song, um, you know, but having extra tracks on a DVD or a CD or something like that, it all boils down to the legal process of how music gets released in certain countries. There's something in Japan, I know for certain Japan, where there's some crazy law where they can't get a certain amount of media in, in some way. And so they release bonus tracks on other things like a DVD or something like that. Like I know there's a Dream Theater DVD where for a long time you could only get like these two, three tracks from that DVD of a live performance of theirs. And it had to do with uh, legal release dealings. Ah. So that's the only thing I could think of about why, you know, why would they do that? Because that's always baffled me. You know, why would a band make all this music and then, you know, they're like, here's our album, here's our album. And then, yeah, there's just like a few songs sprinkled, hidden all over the world. And it's like, what? That makes no sense. But it's more of the studio and the the remarketing than the actual band. Okay. So, okay. And they were an international band. So I would imagine that would have come into play at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, we were saying there was one of their albums that wasn't released in America. So, yeah, probably along those same lines. Well, uh, yeah, because one thing I've always wondered about the the Teen Spirit album is that on the track listing, it was 13 songs listed. Mm -hmm. I remember like putting the CD in the CD player, and there's a 14th song. And it used to be like, <laughs> and there was, and it was a 14th song. And it was never listed. Like I remember for the longest time, um, I was able to figure out the name of the song just because of the, the lyrics that were repeated so many times. Mm -hmm. like, like any good pop song, you show me need to listen to it once to know the name of the song. <laughs> and, uh, and it's funny, I was looking at the Wikipedia listing for that album, and it was, it was a song called Don't Even Know Your Name. I always tried to, I, I can never figure out why it was there. And uh, funny enough, I'm still learning stuff 18 years later about the album. Apparently, this track was uh, the North America Target and Walmart edition bonus track. Yep, there, there you go. You know, I, there's some stuff like, oh, it's the iTunes exclusive. It's the Target exclusive. It's the Amazon exclusive now. It's like, give me a finished product. That's all I want. Not even finished, just complete. Complete, yeah. That's I guess when I talk about music, I think a complete oh, okay. and finished is synonymous. But yeah, I'm totally with you. You know, that always bothers me when it's like, uh, you know, a band will release an album. Like, uh, who did it last? I can think of uh, the Kaiser Chiefs. I was like, yeah, new Kaiser Chiefs. I get the album, and then I have to go to like eight other sources to get the the Britain bonus song, to get the Australia bonus song, to get the Canadian bonus song, and it's like. Why can't I just get an album with all the songs? Please. Can't make <laughs> it too easy. That's what I end up doing. I put them all together. You know, I make it like my, because I, I think I've said before, I keep all my music files locally so I can do that. So when I have a, like an, a CD that has an hour's worth of silence, I can rip the songs from it. I can cut out the hour of silence. I can actually name them and make them two separate files, two separate songs. And then that's how I listen to it. I don't want to listen to silence. So that, like I'm, that was what I was saying. I went out and I had to get all these bonus tracks. And at the end of the day, I just make them track like 14 through 18 on the album. And that's how I listen to it. But yeah. no one else can do that. You know, not even on Spotify, you can't do that. You know, there's so many songs from bands that are, you know, really represented on Spotify that just don't exist. Because, you know, there's for some reason they don't put them on there, be it the band, the studio, whatever. And it drives me crazy.
but I feel like Spotify is like the new version of like well, when it comes to music, it's like, oh, everybody just does Spotify now. It's like folks, it's like having a digital movie collection. They can pull the rug out from underneath you anytime they want, and you're not gonna that's how I joked about in the early two thousands. If you weren't able to like hit the record button fast enough on the VCR, yep. you lost out on that music. There is so much music that like not even me, in, in the garbage I listen to. Songs like I listened on Spotify for a couple months and it's just gone now. So like yeah. unless, I remember it was like one there was one there's two songs I found that I really liked again very very 18s-esque and it just gone off Spotify. I went looking for it. I had to go find some sketchy, sketchy <laughs> like Russian server. And like I found the two songs. I was like, like I don't know why it saved them. But mm-hmm. like, and that was it. Like the song's not it's just not available anywhere. It's just yeah. it's 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 it's, it's funny. It's one of the very few times that there was pop music that I was looking for, and it disappeared. I, I, who knows why? Like Rob says, who knows with all these record labels and disputes they have? Um, if there's lawsuits and this stuff just gets pulled from all the platforms. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's a scary thing people have to realize is that music, any sort of media, can be pulled out from underneath you unless you personally have a copy of it. Yeah, they really people really do need to remember this because it hasn't happened with Spotify for me yet. But I I think I might have even told this story on the podcast. I vividly remember in my undergrad. And I was just like downloading as much TV shows and movies as I could. And there was stuff like I was downloading like House and The League and Fringe and stuff like that. And I remember people looking at me going, why are you downloading this? It's on Netflix. And my immediate response was, there's no way it's going to be on Netflix forever. And they looked at me like I had three heads. They were like, what? They were like, things can come off of Netflix? And I'm like, of course they can. If they can come on, they come off. <laughs> that is a concern. But no, I think I've kind of said everything I have to say about the 18th. Much like real scary stories, immediately once I hang this up, I'll be, God damn it, I forgot to bring up X. <laughs> That's what happened. It's like, so, uh, but no, like, 18th is one of those things where uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't, much like Star Wars, or, oh, I guess it should be pointed out, too, because we've talked about Jimmy C on this podcast. It was my visit to uh, Universal Studios Orlando that introduced me to Terminator because as my mother was waiting online for 18 tickets or Slime Time Live tickets for two hours, <laughs> the closest ride was Terminator 2 3D. And my father and I went on it, and that's how I got introduced to Terminator. Right on. And without, ter- and without Terminator, I never would have been introduced to Arnold Schwarzenegger, who would go on to be one of my, my lifetime heroes, yep. even though he's more or less insane right now. Plus, like again, there would have been no like obsession with Avatar. There would have been none. All this, mm-hmm. so no, that one trip. That's kind of like one. Like I'm not sure. I think we've joked about it before. Like I've told Rob about like the instance of like the universe winking at you, and Rob yeah. had to pervert it. That was one of those like seminal dates in my entire life. It was like yeah. the 18s, Terminator, going to Universal Studios. Like that was the first time I've ever been there. And it was like all these things just kind of like wrapped into like one day that would go on to like define everything else going forward. Yeah. Nice. I guess I knew who Jimmy C was based on Titanic though, but I guess uh I didn't connect Terminator to Jimmy C mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Oh, because one thing, that's one thing to, t- to finish up the, the Slime Time Live story. I remember when we were there, I guess it was once we kind of got let out of the Slime Time Live area. My father said, oh, man, we probably should have set a VCR to record all that. Oh. So, like, ever since then, for years, I've been searching YouTube, hoping to hoping that someone would have recorded that. Yeah. And ne- I've never been able to find it. I, they went back onto Slime Time Live sometime in like 2002 p- to promote their third album. Okay. 
But I looked and I could never find anything. But a few years ago, I found I, I just kept digging through the internet. And like I, sure. I've said before on this podcast, if you just type enough things into Google, you'll eventually find something. And I actually someone did like a like someone like photographed like their television during when the 18s were on slime time live that day and i know it's the exact same one because they're wearing the same clothes okay that are in yeah. my pictures nice so that's the closest <laughs> like verification i have that i was there okay cool hopefully someone out there still has a recording and just hasn't uh ripped it to youtube but yeah so if, if anybody's out there who wants to help zach out he now needs a recording <laughs> of an episode of slime time live and the remaining Real Scary Stories episodes. <laughs> I guess we should do an update on Real Scary Stories real quick. We're in the Zach nostalgia bubble. Uh, no new update. Uh, we had one person. <laughs> uh, we had one person whose name is Paolo contact me. He he lives uh, in South America. He is my, as he claimed, which I think is really funny. He says he's my South American equivalent. <laughs> uh, he, he's obsessed with Real Scary Stories as much as I am. Uh, but yeah, really no new updates on real scary stories. Unfortunately, Don Wells has not contacted me. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed eventually. Uh, but I guess no to, uh, end the 18th discussion. I think I'll go through the music videos and give my own recap of them. Much okay. like Rob began with telling me about, um, the Dancing? one theme. Yes. The one theme amongst <laughs> all of them. Starting off with Mamma Mia. Always liked Mamma Mia. I guess it's, it's funny. I, I've seen these music videos dozens if not hundreds of times even mm. re-watching them for this recording i couldn't help but get into them like it's just I, again it's, it's a weird thing it's magical which i i, I can't say that for any other type of music i listen to there's only a handful of songs i would genuinely consider magical and i think this is it i i was introduced to mama mia in the probably 2000 mm. teen spirit was 2001 pop to you drop was 2002 and it wasn't really until uh 2007 I found a perfect match, which okay. at the time was like again I was I was a freshman in high school, and it was not mind blowing, but it was like oh my god like there's news it's kind of like finding a oh god um unreleased I'm, okay I can't make a music analogy here because there is such thing as unreleased music, but it was kind of like just finding like you thought that was it and you find that there's more. It's like the uh, it makes me think of um. The unreleased ending to Casablanca that they find in the Simpsons episode from way back when. Yes, there you go. <laughs> exactly. They they find that like what Abe Abe Simpson digs up like a, an old film reel and it's it's, it's the it's the called like the violent ending to Casablanca or something like that. <laughs> Essentially, that's kind of what it was because in 2007, I just I had my three albums. Yep. At that point, I they're all on my iPod, so I listened to them. But no, Perfect Match was like, oh my lord, like where do I get this? And then the the last music video that they ever made was I Promised Myself. And that was only available, I think, on a, that was never released in the US. So I had to go I remember I bought the CD from like Argentina and it took like a month to get here. Okay. <laughs> that became a running joke. I remember between Sal and I became a joke. My CD from Argentina took a month to get here. <laughs> in my research for this um episode, I never knew they did a music video on the name of the game. I, oh, okay. Not until when Rob, like when Rob put all of his Animal Collective music videos in our media list, I, it caused me to go looking, and I actually found two more 18s videos. I found the name of the game, which I had never seen before prior to this, and they also had another music video for Take a Chance on Me, which I did not include on this list because a the quality is horrendous. Mm. It's it's like Elf Vision times ten. 
Okay. Nobody listening to this will get that <laughs> reference. But the, 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 and the second thing is, is that it's basically a music video of them dry. It's Rob already knows what one half it's going to be. <laughs> and the second half is them like driving go-karts around. Okay. And it's not a really interesting video. Like, sure. Compa- well, it's, it's even less interesting than the current canon we have. <laughs> But no, Mamma Mia. I've always, I've always think that's a really cool. Like Rob says, what was the, what was the, the genre you were calling that? Dance party, party core, yeah. party core. Yeah, it, it's a solid that. Super Troopers, a weird music video having like a little girl dance. Like I, I get it. It's funny that that's one thing that part of the 18s uh, catalog is that over time the men do more and more. Like you watch those yeah. first like six or seven music videos, the men don't do anything. They're pretty they awkward do. in some of the shots. Like. <laughs> Like yep. they, they look, they look like bored or confused sometimes. They, they're moving like really, not you know, out of time or out of sync with anybody else, but like in more robotic ways than seem you know normal. <laughs> they're just there. Yeah. Gimme, gimme, gimme a man after midnight. I've always, I think that song's. I, I know that song's been sampled. The melody. Oh the, yeah. The beat has been sampled hundreds of times. Yeah, that's one um, of the most famous synth riffs ever. I would say. Yeah, I, I guess I, it's a fine music video. It's it's it, there's a, there's a, there's less dancing in that than there is in other ones. So don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of dancing, <laughs> but um, uh, but no, then <laughs> I know telling Rob is a little less dancing in one of these videos is like kind of telling him uh, it's like a banana with a little less yellow on it. It's like what is it really me at the end of the day? This is like this is like what I when I work with computer science people and they're like, we got it from, we got it to run in 7.9 seconds when it used to run in 7.95 seconds. And I'm like, and I'm like, aren't we doing things within a minute? Like that shouldn't matter. <laughs> That's like you telling me, it's like, there's like, you know, what's, what would be the unit? What should we call it? Like the dancing Zach or the, or the Weber, like the Weber unit. It's how you measure dancing. <laughs> Zach's like, this video is 850 Webers, but the Mamma Mia video, that's over 1800 Webers. <laughs> And it's like like you really have to understand the theory to know the difference between those things. It's like the the hot peppers, the Scoville. It's like you tell someone a hundred, a hundred thousand, a hundred million Scovilles. It's like, okay, I need a name of a pepper. I don't understand anything you just told me. You basically need a fixed point. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the problem with this. Um, Yeah. We need to, we need to have that conversion to other units. Oh my lord! All, all I keep, all I keep thinking of every time Rob keeps bringing up dancing. There's a Rick and Morty clip. I think it's one like when Rick uh, Morty has the baby that has like the four arms. All it wants to do is like, like was it like murder and pillage? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and Morty's like, let's dance, let's dance. And, like every <laughs> single time Rob brings up, that's all I think about. It's like <laughs> at the, I, I think I think it's the stinger at the end of the episode where like Morty Junior is like on like a uh, Larry King or Charlie Rose, and it's like oh, so you yeah. were held, you were held in captivity for this long. Yes. And, but there was dancing, yes, lots and lots of dancing, <laughs> and that—that's why I like to imagine that's what this—that's what this was to Rob. There's just so much dancing. Dance with me here. We love to dance. Why do we love to dance? Because I said so. <laughs> My father uh, kept me locked in the house until I was a teenager, and there was violence and. Uh, threats of poison gas, but also dancing. Smith Jr.'s mind-bending novel, My Horrible Father, in every store and on everyone's mind. I, that was my kind of concern with like doing any of my music. The set, none of my music videos I like have any substance to them. Mm-hmm, okay. It's fluff. It's fluff at the end of the day. But it's fluff that I like. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's it's, fair. It's cotton candy fluff. Because I, I definitely found these music videos um, to be more of a vehicle for the song. Like you said, you know, it's to push the music. It's to sell singles, albums, whatever. Whereas not all of them from last week, Animal Collective, but some of them were much more companions to the song than just a platform for a new way for people to hear it. Well, okay, speaking of companions and uh, reinforcing the song, the name of the game, which I think is the reason why that, that music video never made it off the ground in any mm-hmm. sort of meaningful way. I look at that music video, and over time, uh, 18's version of that has become one of my favorite songs by them. Okay. I don't know why, it's just over time it's clicked with me more and more. And as I watch this music video, I'm watching it, and I'm like, it's maybe the laziest music video <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> they are like in a school gymnasium with like, and Rob remember this from our high school. I probably all schools have this, but like with those rubber like mats on the ground. Yep. And it's just them like walking and just the dancing is like at its, I don't want to say minimum, but it's like at its like bare, like, oh God. It's just them like almost like casually walking around with some dancing thrown in for good measure. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, this is the one and, that I mentioned before where the women are just standing still for a lot of it. Yes, and, and, and like I said, I, I, it's a weird music video. Um, I don't Because that's one thing like, I've always wondered as I've listened to the, the name of the game, like lyrics. And yes, obviously they didn't write them. It was um, Benny and Bjorn who wrote the lyrics to that. Mm-hmm. But like, as I look back at like, that song, I cannot figure out for the life of me what that song is about. Like, I just cannot. Okay. Like, I've listened to it dozens of times. And I cannot figure out. We'll play some of it here. discern what the meaning like every most 18 songs i can tell you what the meaning of the song is sure and chances are it boils down to uh teenage love yeah that's that's that that is the message to all the songs for all intents and purposes yet name of the game is like i cannot i just cannot figure out what the meaning of the song is like mama mia i get dancing queen i get that is just it's a mystery song to me. Sure, okay, okay, can't figure it out. I'll have to um, listen to it again. Yeah, for sure. If any, okay, Rob, Rob will have a break in right now if he's been able to figure out what the meaning of the song is. I guess like I'm gonna come back with something along the lines of dancing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you can't listen to the, you can't watch the video. You gotta listen just to the music. Okay, okay. Or the lyrics. You can read the lyrics. You don't have to listen to the song. You can read the lyrics if you want. 
Dancing Queen involves dancing. No, I think Dancing Queen's the song that probably made them. St- I think if there ever was the song that really had them not take off, but really resonate because it does have that cute premise of the emulation of the Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have a you have a modern version of a classic. Mm-hmm. It's 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 everything you could ask for in pop music rolled into one. Cute premise, familiar song, attractive people, well lit. Can't ask for much more. Upside Down, which I'm pretty sure in the U.S. is called Bouncing Off the Ceiling. I never knew it was Upside Down until later years. Um, this is this is the quintessential 18 song. This is a song when you do see it in the BuzzFeed listicle. Mm-hmm. This is what it will be. Uh, like Rob said, maybe an inspiration for Christopher Nolan. So somewhere yeah. in the early 2000s, Christopher Nolan was watching this being like, quick, call me Leonardo DiCaprio. I have an idea. So I totally, like, of course, you know, Upside Down. Uh, is the name of the song the visuals we get in this um when they're not dancing uh the visuals (laughs) we get in this video is you know people like on different different planes of gravity like someone's on the floor someone's on the ceiling they're all walking on the ceiling they're walking on the walls and and there's even a few times where the camera they will tilt the camera like whatever that's called um whatever angle it is where they're just you know holding it on one shot but tilting it so really the whole screen rotates it made me think of the um Joseph Gordon-Levitt scene where he's in the hotel in Inception and he's like running around all the walls and fighting that dude. Yeah, that's that's what it made me think of. So I think somewhere in there, Christopher Nolan is right, right there with you, Zach. Maybe he's embarrassed to say he likes the 18s, but I think I think he's got it. He's got it. I think that just like you think I'm Vernon Chapman, I think (laughs) you might be Christopher Nolan because now we talked about the 18s inspiring Christopher Nolan. We've also talked about uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 inspiring Christopher Nolan. Where did we talk about that? I don't remember that. No, remember, yeah, remember the, the, the garbage day scene, that whole thing when he shoots at the car and the car drives off to the side? I was like, that's Batman and the Joker? Remember that? Oh, yeah. So it's evidence yeah, is building up. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm responsible for maybe ruining comic book movies for a generation. <laughs> um, oh geez. All right, halfway around the world. I remember this being the follow-up to uh, bound, uh, bouncing off the ceiling and being a little let down. It's, it's in retrospect, it's a really cool music video. I think there's some there's some camera techniques in there that are neat, like the blending between different sets in the editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's neat. At the time, I really wasn't too keen on it. Sugar Rush. I never understood why they made Sugar Rush a single. Okay. I remember at the time there was a there was a boy band. That actually was the springboard for Jesse McCartney, who would go on, I think he's still a musical act, called Dream Street. They had the exact same song with the exact same lyrics. Oh, okay. Cause he make me go out of my way.
I never, I never understood why they made Sugar. I, I never thought Sugar Rush was. It's not. It's it's one of their slower songs. Yeah, like Rob said, it has one of the least amount of dancing in all the videos. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not really a dance song. Like, it's not like it's not okay. It's not a dance song, as in like a a club banger dance song. Exactly. Yeah. There's so many better songs on that album that would be better for a music video, and sure. I never understood that. Heartbreak Lullaby is a really interesting one. This is something where I'm going to need Rob's help, considering Rob's prowess in finding music. On one of, on my Argentinian CD, one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I bought that is that it had Heartbreak Lullaby, but it's a different version of the song. Oh, which <clears throat> the the music video version is a much more up tempo version. Okay, the one on my CD is like the ABBA SOS. It is gotcha. so it's more of a ballad. Yeah, is, is and I can't. I, I've never been able to, other than doing like a YouTube like MP3 rip, I've never been able to find a high quality version of that song. to believe it probably was released in that version but outside of getting like a european release of the cd i never been able to find it so you're you're looking for the upbeat one yes okay. not the one that makes me want to die because the one you have on your cd is the sad one okay gotcha. yes the ballad version which that not my cup of tea at all um but yeah i remember heartbreak Lullaby i found during like the winter of 2006 and that was kind of like oh my god there's new music I can't help falling in love. I remember that during the summer of 2002 when Lilo and Stitch came out. I think I almost bought the Lilo and Stitch soundtrack because it had that song on it. And that came out <laughs> I think, a couple weeks prior to their third album. Okay. Always love that. I remember because I remember I was playing that song and my mother would be like, that's the song your, mo- your father and I got married to. And I'm like, not this version. I know like, anytime I listen to like uh, Pandora and I, I select like 18's radio, that's the first song that always comes up. Okay. 
I guess it should be worth noting that, like, in my, like, uh, Echo Dot, every time I say play a teen's music, it says playing a teen's children's radio. <laughs> see, see, Rob, even the even my Alexa oh, is shaming man. me. A teen's children's radio from Pandora. Keep that in mind. <laughs> the Alexa is shaming me. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, floor Filler. I remember when Floor Filler came out. That was another song I played, like, ad nauseum. I thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Fine music video. It's cool. Not much to it. Uh, a lot of dancing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Le- less less about teen. And that's one of their few songs that isn't about teenage love. Okay. It's not really. It's not. It doesn't fit into that kind of a uh, uh, net. Perfect match. Like I said, found that in high school. Thought it was neat. Uh, I promise myself is a a a very bittersweet video because it's obviously mm-hmm. it's it's the culmination of all their stuff yeah i think it's cool that they actually took the effort to like i think it's weird because uh, the history i guess again for a band of the 80s we didn't go much into the history of them but um they kind of called a hiatus in 2004 with kind of like the door being left open for what was going to happen in the future and i find it kind of weird in a way that like oh the last single they ever released which was an international single they after 2002 they never had another north american hit because it just didn't release one here. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that their last single really is a finale song. An unintentional fi- okay. well maybe maybe not unintentional. Sure. But no. it's I, um, I really like that too. I didn't I did some research into the band and I read a little bit about the hiatus. I figured with the order that this came in the when I watched them and seeing that this was an amalgamation of all their previous music videos that I got that it was a final song or an ending song in some extent. But I, I do love that idea. I guess I agree with you there because, you know, I, I know bands for certain. Harvey Danger, when they broke up, they were like, we're going to release one last song, and it's called The Show Must Not Go On, and it's about why they're breaking up. And I was like, oh, fantastic. That's an awesome idea. So much that we so grandly call love is simply in our heads. How many doors slam closed stepped on toes? So to hear that, you know, the 18s did this too, cool. I think every band, when they break up, should do something along those lines if they can, you know, if they're not like, hate, they hate each other, one of them died spontaneously. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think that's just weird, though, the fact that apparently it was a hiatus and it just kind of like grew into like everybody just did their own thing. Okay. There is a, uh, like Rob said, it's very rare to have anything in life, whether it be media or anything even beyond that scope, and to have a nice bow on it. Mm-hmm. I think that that is such a it's such a rare thing to have a nice bow on the ending of something. The lesser ones obviously have a little less nostalgia to them because they were kind of like partitioned away from the albums that I yeah. kind of like grew up with. And they just kind of things that I would find to be like, oh, this is cool. Listen to it a few times. Go back to it. But it wasn't anything like ad nauseum because I only had a, f- a handful of CDs. Yeah. Uh, but no, and that's kind of like this, a little bit of like wrapping up the history on the 18s was that uh, – Pretty much, I think it's really funny looking at the uh, history of them. After they kind of split up, Marie, who was the blonde, mm-hmm. or is the blonde, she basically just had the most successful career post-18. Like, she was, like, a legit, like, artist, like, in Sweden that had, like, numerous, like, I don't know, top top ten hits. Sure, sure. Um, I actually listened to a couple of them. They're pretty good. The ones that are in English, the rest of them are just kind of like, this is neat, but the, the, the I, need, I need the English language to carry some of it. 
Okay. The, okay. the beat can't, the beat can only me so far. Um, but no, I think she's the only one that still like consistently still does music. Donnie, the blonde guy. I don't think he's done much. He's basically the last thing that that's really that he's known for is he co-wrote Lupe Fiasco's stellar light. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Sarah, the brunette woman, she actually has a dance studio in Sweden that you can take mm. classes. So if I'm ever in Sweden, I know where I'm going. You can dance with the dancers. <laughs> <laughs> See, it goes full circle, folks. It goes right back to uh, where it begins. <laughs> so much dancing. And the best one, I think, of all this is Amit, who's the uh, brunette guy. Mm-hmm. Or, um, I'm going to read directly from the website. Uh, Amit obtained his master's degree in business from Stockholm School of Economics. He became the managing director of Paximer, a fancy company that produces a flame retardant and environmentally friendly system for polymer materials. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Talk about a, as far as you can get away from the dancing. Yeah, that is someone yeah. who firmly said, no more dancing for me. Thanks. <laughs> Yo, I wonder how often that comes up in his career. Like, if anybody would be like, were you in the A-teens? <laughs> yeah, I, okay, because then, like, that's another weird thing about the A-teens, too. It's like, Rob knows with any band that has any notoriety, it's always, when's there going to be a reunion? Like, to this yeah. day, Justin Timberlake cannot escape the, the in-sync reunion question. Mm-hmm. Yep. Despite the fact that I don't think there's a single person on the face of this earth that really wants to see an in-sync reunion. <laughs> um, I remember, I think it was like, a, I think wherever he did the Super Bowl, Justin Timberlake, they had like a very brief moment where they had like the rest of the floor come out. And I'm like, does anybody really want to see this? <laughs> research for this episode i didn't even know this was a thing was that apparently in 2015 marie again the blonde was on a swedish tv show called let's dance and all four of them had like a reunion like they they didn't perform or anything though there's like a picture on instagram that she posted and it's all four of them and it's like like in a weird way that's neat to me it's like oh wow like they're all in the same room together but there's no like, oh, what, what are you guys gonna release new music? Yeah, it's like, no, it was like the, and this is maybe the one thing I do like. I know I, I talk about my this obviously this entire episode has been about my nostalgia, but one thing I really like is like, oh, they're never going to release new music again. Mm-hmm. Like that's there's never gonna be more A-teens music because a they're not they're not teenagers anymore. <laughs> the A adults. <laughs> <laughs> somebody made someone made that joke. The the ABBA adults. Oh, okay, um, okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, but I think that's there's there's this kind of like between the ending of I Promise Myself, the fact like you see this kind of like juxtaposition between them being kids to them being just six years older. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you see like in 2015, roughly God, eleven years later, they're just like they're a bunch of people just like think about what like they're they're basically just people now. Like, yeah. like, like one of them runs a dance studio. One's a managing director at a flame retardant materials company. <laughs> Donnie, he's kind of still involved with music, give or take. And one of them still is kind of like a, like a superstar in, in Sweden. Yep. But I think there is kind of like a very nice poetic period at the end of this. It's like, nobody died. There's no like angry. Yeah. There's no bitterness over like money residuals. That's good. And, and even though there is never going to be new music, there is enough. Of, there's enough of a catalog there. I don't feel this longing for more of it. Yeah, and you know, I think that it's also um, part of it because I feel the same way with bands that don't exist anymore. You know, I've already mentioned Harvey Danger. They broke up. They all went on to their solo stuff. One of them is dead now, so there's just never going to be a, a true reunion. And 
But at the same time, you know, there are, there's like three albums, uh, the, the last single, and it, it's, it's enough to keep me going. Zach might not agree with the thing that hurts me the most is that I'm never going to get to see them play that music. And that's what gets me sometimes when it's like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get to hear Harvey Danger play Flagpole Sitta live because they're never going to play together. And one of them's dead, you know. And so that's what bums me out more. Like I would never I would always take a live show of old music over new music if a band ever did a reunion. Because also yeah. the music is never going to be the same, you know. But we'll talk about that maybe in a couple of uh, whatever, whatever band or music I decide to do next. We'll okay. talk about my opinions on uh, live music and live performances. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, that's kind of my that's my thing with the 18s. Like it's kind of one of those things where I've never been able to discuss it. I like I told Rob last week. I don't think there's not a single like retrospective or discussion on the 18s. Mm-hmm. Again, they they truly are a forgotten thing. Not forgotten, but they're really kind of just a oh god um. Uh, for me at least a hidden gem when it comes sure. to uh, early 2000s pop music and i think there is a nice i think people definitely don't appreciate the idea of just something ending with a period people just want constantly more yeah they want more 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 and i think there's something nice to the idea that just something just ends peacefully it's like it just it just ended one day it's like it was this very nice thing that happened uh, appreciate appreciate for the moment you had and don't ask for much more Yep. If only if only more people could feel that way about things, we wouldn't have the need for every successful TV show to spin <laughs> off into a prequel, right? <laughs> Fucking right. Like, come on. You're telling me you don't love Joey? <laughs> <laughs> Joey. I was not thinking of Joey. I was thinking of Better Call Saul. <laughs> Remember that, folks? That there was a friend spin-off. There was. Oh god, Joey. Jesus. <laughs> Yikes. Oh man! A period. People have to realize a period is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. There's something. There is something uh, indescribably perfect about something that just concludes on its own accord. Yep. On its yep. own terms. Not not because a label dropped them or because they were no longer popular. Or Kevin because- Spacey molested somebody. <laughs> Food item, cinematic, late night. Food item, my item I came up with was cotton candy because it's, okay. it's, it's airy, it's fluffy, there's no substance to it. But if you sure. eat, it, eat too much of it, you will probably uh, get sick or at worst case scenario, get diabetes. <laughs> um, okay. Not to say anything negative against the 18s, but I think that's how you describe the music. It's, it's light and fluffy, but it has no nutritional value. Sure, sure. That's, that's fair. That actually Rob- might inf- influence my snack a little bit because I only have one. Did you have any more? No, no, one snack. So I only had one. Of course, in all of this, we didn't get a lot of food, if any food, because uh, there was so much dancing in the videos. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about this, and this is an abs- an abstract pitch, but just hear me out, Zach. Uh-oh. So there's there's actually precedence for this idea. So way back when, I think in man, when was that? 2002, 2001. Oh I think that's God. when the video game Final Fantasy X2 came out. X2, not 11, X2, like the sequel to 10. You know what I'm talking about, Zach? (laughs) Of course. And in that game, there was a mechanic where you could get your characters to dance, and it would take up like two, three turns, because this was still in the era of turn-based Final Fantasy. Um, And it would take up like two, three turns, but you could dance, and it would do something. Like it would buff your party, it would weaken the enemies, stuff like that. So here's my pitch, Zach. We get a hold of the 18s, whether it be you know, against their will or not, 
and we make them figure out a way that they can dance and it feeds people. Like, I'm not saying they dance and it, like, moves the food into their mouth. I'm saying, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to get these people to dance a few feet in front of me, and then I won't be hungry anymore. Like, like I want the 18s dancing to replace the physical act of eating to get you nutrients. <laughs> but like you said, it might not have nutrition. So maybe we just kind of lie or meld the truth appropriately to our Cinemodities restaurant customers that seeing the 18s dance at their table will provide them sustenance. What do you think? I know that will work on at least me. I can't promise for any of the other customers, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure watching the 18s dance will fill me with something. <laughs> oh, man. So that's what I want. I want them to be dancing in our restaurant, and it's people are paying for it, and it's feeding people. I know there's a lot of details to work out there, but I think I think that's where we should put some of our, our money towards next. Just a Capturing few details. The 18, capturing the 18s, yes. <laughs> Cinemodity and or late night movie. I have to say no to Cinemodity. I think because of the dancing. <laughs> there's nothing really um, uh, odd about the dancing to me. I would imagine, you know, uh, we go from 18s to a different band. That's what we're going to find a lot of is dancing and music videos. It's a common thing. I totally get it. It's like, you know, Zach was saying with Animal Collective, they had their My Girls video. You were like, this looks just like a Coldplay video because those styles have been done before. And so the same thing with 18s with the dancing. I don't think it's anything odd. So no to Cinemodity. But man, if I if I played like 13 videos of people dancing in a row late at night, <laughs> that might give me the response I'm looking for. Like if I could actually get someone to sit there and get through like at least seven of the videos and like that would be great. And I'd be, I could just imagine the conversation having with these people. It's like, do you know what they're going to do in the next video? <laughs> they're going to dance. <laughs> so much dancing. So, so I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence, but I think I'm leaning towards a yes for late night movie. But only these 13 videos in this order. Consecutive. Oh, okay. Like I would want to take exactly what you gave me, Zach, and push it on to somebody else late at night. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. Okay, I'm going to go the inverse on that. I'm going to okay. see yes to Cinemodity and no to Late Night Movie. Okay, okay. No to Late Night Movie because I think if I ever play this for people, even outside the Late Night thing, most people after like the first one would be like, okay, enough. Enough. <laughs> so unless it's some sort of like academic exercise like this present scenario, I sure. don't think it's going to fly. But I'm going to say yes to Cinemodity. This is probably for a reason I should have brought up earlier. But... You look at these music videos, and you look at even like like what was popular at the time. Again, Britney Spears, yep. Backstreet Boys, In Sync. There was a like a a low key sexual nature to all their music. Oh, yeah, like yeah. like Oops, I Did It Again. Obviously, Baby Hit Me One More Time. Christina yeah. Aguilera is a Come On Over. All I Want Is You. There was this like well, and that both Christina Aguilera's video. There there is definite sexual tension there. But with 18s, there it's it's pure. Okay. There's not there's nothing raunchy about it. There's nothing edgy. And I know most people would take off points for those reasons. Mm -hmm. But I think even at that time, like even like again, bring up Aaron Carter again. All Aaron Carter did was talk about how he was gonna beat Shaq and Aaron's party. <laughs> come on over, or whatever it was yeah, called. Yeah, oh man, I forgot about that. <laughs> We're gonna insert some Aaron Carter music right here just for the fun of it. Thank you.
Here's a little bit of old school for you. That goes a little something like this. Trying to be the flyest kid on the block The popular one with the rising stock So that's when I had this bright idea Throw the party of the month Now the party of the year All the fine girls couldn't turn it down Now all I gotta do is get my parents out Should I send them to a movie? Send them to a show Let me think, hmm, it's gotta be long though I said, mom, dad, yo, why you sitting home? It's a Friday night, have you seen Anne Joe? And don't worry about staying out too long Don't fuss over me, I'll be fine alone Have a good time The doorbell rings just a party That lack of edge, oddly enough, is what makes it a cinematic. Because they're really, like, again, as somebody who is a connoisseur of that era of music, there is that sexual undertone to it. Mm -hmm. And with the 18s, I think Rob could agree, in every single one of their videos, sex is not a thing. Yeah, I mean, that that's a good point. I didn't really think about that because I, I, I was so enthralled in the dancing. Um <laughs> But you but you're right. Like I said, with the video I hated before, they have a video that is entirely dancing and them playing with puppies. Like that's a, that's a level of wholesome that we would not get in a music video today without some subtlety, without something lingering in the background, that edginess like Zach said that someone can latch on to. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right in that respect, for sure. I think that's because like even you look at like I always because upside or bouncing off the ceiling upside down, they're they're really there the biggest hit they ever had. It's like you have two pretty women, two attractive guys, and the women are laying, well, they're not really laying in bed. They're kind of upright in bed, yeah. positioned against the wall. And yet there's no, there's no really, like there's just some touching, but it's like the most border, it's like the most platonic, slightly <laughs> boarding, bordering on like flirtatious touching ever. Yeah. And they're, again, having a, a two men, two women group where that's never even even like hinted at it, never mind nowadays like Rob said foregone conclusion that if there ever was another two man two woman band yeah. it would it would be hit you over the head with that imagery even then like it's it's so pure yeah okay that that's a really good point yep it's it's I think about it, it's teen romance music that's pure like I think like I was listening to the radio today I don't, it's not popular now. It's like a, it was like a top forty single maybe a year ago. But you have G Easy and Halsey, and like every <laughs> other word on the radio is like, I'm gonna take you over my, like bend you over my bed and just boink your brains out. She's like, I yep. love you, honey. This is our love. I'm a feminist, despite the fact that I'm gonna let you use my body. Maybe it's that's like maybe it's like got R. Kelly song. I don't know. <laughs> They're blending all together now. Yeah, um, yeah. But like that, I think about it, that is a romance song for today's teenagers is like him curse like i think in that song he calls her his bitch he's like yo my bitch and it's like that's romance apparently today yeah that's a term like, of a term of endearment now <laughs> yeah i know and like and then like we go again juxtapose that with 18 it's like my 65 speeding up the PCH, a hell of a ride They don't wanna see us make it, they just wanna divide 2017, Bonnie and Clyde Wouldn't see the point of living on if one of us died Yeah, uh, Got that kind of style, everybody try to rip off YSL dress under when she take the mink off Silk on her body, pull it down and watch it slip off Ever catch me cheating, she would try to cut my <laughs> Crazy, but
understandable. And maybe that's again, like I like current pop music. Like we talked last week about like Ariana Grande's like thank yep. you next. It's like it's crap, but like at least it has a melody to it. But like, oh man, it's the most like like you have like 18th is cotton candy fluff. Ariana Grande is like fiberglass. Okay, I like it. <laughs> I think that's the best way to uh, compare these two. Yeah, fluff will never, never hurt you. The fiberglass will not hurt you if it's used appropriately, but it has that capability. Yes, you don't want to eat the fiberglass. I think that's the thing we have at the Cinematis restaurant. There's a little plaque on the wall that says, don't eat the fiberglass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and somebody I guess I have to imagine it was like I was like a father with his son, and daddy he's like, "Daddy, what's that sign mean?" And the father's like, "Son, behind every sign there's a story." <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> All right, Rob. On that note, how are we gonna wrap up this episode? Uh, well, dancing. Are we gonna dance our way out of this episode? Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we should do some reverse dancing. Reverse dancing. I don't think I can handle that. I don't think I think that's, that's still. I, I think in. that still might just be dancing. Okay. Reverse I don't know dancing, if dance, is dancing. Yeah, I don't know if dancing is directional. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever it is, we're gonna try it. We're gonna. Yeah, we'll give a shot to reverse, right verse, wrong verse dancing. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs>